2: Welcome to Concussion Talk Podcast, episode 129. I'm talking to Isabel Gagnon at McGill University and a researcher, professor, professor at McGill University and researcher at the Montreal Children's Hospital. But first, I will pause for my sponsor. Concussion Talk Podcast is presented by HeadCheck Health. Check Health bridges the gaps in concussion care through simple powerful technology. Join organizations like the Canadian Football League, Track Factory Racing, the Canadian Junior Hockey League, Eastern Washington University, and Volleyball Canada, who and on Hedge Health to improve communication and optimize care. Visit headshakehealth.com for more. And uh, also, I just want to thank Cassandra and Miriam for doing a great job of hosting the co-hosting the podcast in June for Range Awareness Month. And uh, so please support the Newfoundland Labrador Branger Association or whatever in or whatever association you are in your area of Canada or in if it's not, even if it's not brain injury this month, somewhere else in the world, just support your brain injury association. And uh and you can and also through podcasts, you can follow me at concussion doc on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Um good pause, just please download the app and you can comment on on different podcasts and Hopefully my podcast there. And and again, subscribe. And you can subscribe on both pages, concussiontalk.com. And uh I guess now we'll just to start with Isabel. So Isabel, like, can you please introduce yourself to the I, I was a professor at McGill University and a, re- and a researcher at the OneJall Children's Hospital, but you just, you just your exact title of the professor of what you teach. And uh, what research, just, just a general thing, and I'll ask more questions
0: later. Okay, well, thanks for having me on this uh, wonderful podcast. So I am a professor at uh, McGill University in the uh, physical therapy program. So I teach uh, pediatric physical therapy to all the new uh, students coming through who want to uh, work as physiotherapists in uh, different places, hospitals, clinics, um all over. So that's what I do at McGill. And then my uh, other life is I'm a physiotherapist and researcher at the Montreal Children's Hospital. And I focus my entire research program on um, kids with concussions and how we can evaluate them and determine how to make them better by developing some different interventions to, to treat them, to help them return to things that they like to do, sports, activities, uh, school, leisure stuff, everything that they want to do. Oh, That's basically you. what I do. Oh,
2: thanks, <laughs> uh, I can't believe I never had John's this podcast before, was in this episode, as I said, 129, so it's been amazing that I, I think because your, your work, the research work at, at the Children's Hospital sounds just right up the eye of this podcast. And also, and I just, I mean, you so many physios they were just an important part of my life and hilarious. Um, so, I just, I guess, I'm not sure where to start. we we'll start with the research or with the professorship, but uh, we'll start, let's start with the, we'll work in the, in the research. So, we'll start with the, McGill. So, what do you, is exactly that you teach? Do you teach pediatric physiotherapy?
0: Yeah, I teach pediatric physiotherapy, so that goes a little bit beyond concussions. It's all oh, about taking yeah. care of yeah, all about taking care of kids who have uh, problems, motor problems, um after birth uh prob, you know, birth issues, okay, things like so? cerebral palsy or traumatic events like traumatic brain injury or concussion. Okay. But so. we teach the whole spectrum of uh of pediatric uh, oh, I was physiotherapy. Ask if,
2: it's, if it's more if it's more the uh, the inborn net, the natural like genetic or diseases or if it's like broken bones and like
0: everything every,
2: the whole <laughs> it's, whole it's, yeah, yeah, yeah a long yeah. class it,
0: it, oh, well it's a few classes that are dis- dispersed through the through the program but yes. we uh, yeah we aim to to make sure that the the students who come through and become new physiotherapists know what to do when they uh. When they encounter children, and the children with all kinds of conditions, so we make we make sure they know what to do.
2: Good, good, excellent. Because I'm sure I'm sure there are a lot more injuries of children, like you know, broken legs and bones, arms. For sure. Especially then, especially more than concussions, but not especially, but that are diagnosed at least. Um, but what are some of the major, the main, the primary, one of the ones you see when you're, when you're you being a physiotherapist for children. Then means there's a broken arm or a broken leg or, or a sprained ankle or.
0: It's uh, it's really everything. There's problems with bones and muscles, like what you're referring to, the broken arms and the uh, the sprained ankles and the yeah. broken legs and stuff. But there's also a lot of uh, neurological conditions, so things that the yeah. kids would be born with or uh, genetic yeah. issues and and things that interfere with how they develop. So how they can learn how to walk and learn how to sit properly or function or participate in sports and and stuff. And there's also believe it or not a lot of uh, cardiorespiratory conditions or diseases that affect the way they breathe, like cystic fibrosis, for example. So physiotherapists take care of all, um, all of these. Yeah, exactly. All of these conditions, because the goal here is to make sure that they can fully participate and what, it, you know, in motor activities and physical activities as much as they can throughout their life. So that's promoting healthy lifestyles, promoting, uh, you know, optimal function is basically what physios do. So they would do that for all the different, you know, the whole spectrum of conditions that we can encounter. So that's my teaching sort of life. But the concussion piece is more in my research um, yeah. at the children's. Yeah.
2: Well, I was really about to start that because I was just going to say that I was actually just at physio yesterday. Justin Penny at TSL Physio in Churchill Square in St. John's, different. So, anyone's listening, he's a great physio. And that's <laughs> because I had like lower back pain that's gone now. And, you know, just stay on top of it. And uh, I guess I haven't guess performed it. why did you pick physio? why did you think you needed physio? Because it was, was self assigned and so it was self referral. So, I just said yeah. I just trust physios and. I know and also because I my cancer surgery a few years ago, I, I had the my pancreas like my some had uh, have my some of my colon removed. So so uh, so I had like the cut, probably the transfer almost so I lost a lot of strength there. And uh, that probably led to my low back pain, which was mm-hmm. again momentary momentary because I, I keep active otherwise. I keep said. it, but I just yeah. it, it was momentary. But I wanted to make sure that my physio, this that like, goes I brought up the whole thing just to say that there's just so much so many areas the physio, physio, can help you with that. Or they used to think the you originally think of oh, all right, cancer, right, surgery, you don't think of physios, but they're mm-hmm. part of it. But um, now we'll get to part where the listeners of this podcast will know that's concussion, and so. Like at, at the McGill at the Montreal Children's Hospital, you obviously, I was children's hospital, so I was a pediatric concussion that you concentrate on. But what areas, so will you define what? what is your exact area of research? Your your to see your current study, let's say.
0: Okay, so we're very interested in there's two main pieces of the research I do. One of them is to look at different. Um, what happens and consequences of concussions in in kids? So we're looking at all kinds of different systems. For a while, I was very interested in balance and how they, you know, how they can function in complex uh, situations in terms of balance and walking and moving around. And more recently, we've been very interested in um, the their vision and their uh, how they can function in terms of being able to read and to, to function visually navigating in their environment. So their, more the, their,
2: their, their perception.
0: Correct, the perception and mm. and the pure motor components of the mm. of vision also, how the eyes move and how the eyes and the head coordinate. Okay. And that's more the vestibular system. So it's yeah. still related to balance a little bit, but it's looking at those types of, uh, those types of consequences of concussion because we think there's a relationship between those deficits and the way they can then return to school and to their sports. So we're interested in looking at that. So that's my first area. And then the second area is intervention. So treatments. So we, for, for about 15 years, we've been very interested in how, um, physical activity or aerobic activity and different kinds of physical activity promotes, um, promotes recovery after concussion. So we've been, um, you know, working on uh, using exercise as a method, a treatment method, an intervention for for these kids and, and teenagers, and then after, uh, more recently, we're interested in visual treatments or interventions for uh, for visual perception and interventions for uh, dizziness and overall functioning of their. Uh, how they navigate the environment. So wow. it's basically looking at consequences and then looking at how we can treat them.
2: Wow, well, this sounds like the anxiety, like, but I've kind of interviewed people who are into that separately. Like, you know, uh, Kay Mitchell, who's a PhD at Laurier, and uh, she's also on Jump Clinic there, runs Jump Clinic. And uh, she just does a lot, of, a lot of visual and she's on the podcast bunch. She had her own mini podcast on this, podcast and uh she's she, she's great and also uh you're saying the visual how they children or not necessarily show how visual and uh what shall we get to the Megan Adams you know UT I don't know if you know the Megan Adams um and uh but I'll ask you about it, her later she, bio, bio-cycle social was one of her things I heard you mention that because I heard you first on Dr. Mark Royke's uh podcast because yeah you said, the, the the activities like the to exercise, and it just his focus. And also, Dr. Michelle Thomas, who has now been on the podcast twice in the last two months or named nine, nine two months, the last six weeks. And because uh, because Andrew is just very interesting stuff about they're doing research here in St. John's about exercise and how it can help with recovery from brain injury by the beak, and the RNA other traumatic pain but uh i guess i guess so i say you don't you know i'm i will uh, first i'll ask you about more about just so can you talk about the how important because i don't even know where to track there's so much interesting stuff there how much did the social? you did you talked with that on uh dr Rugg's podcast and for, and for people on this podcast just, just, just what what is that and why is it so important for
0: okay so we're talking about the biopsychosocial Bio-science. approach yeah. to yeah. Vi- to seeing exactly. concussion. For a long time, uh, concussion was um, was c- seen as a sports medicine sort of uh, you know injury that that was in the realm of sports medicine, yeah. and because of that, um, it was not looked at as much as the neurological and or brain injury uh, condition it is. And we know that um, I, I work in a children's hospitals. So I've also worked with kids who have more severe brain injuries and not just the uh, mild traumatic brain injury or concussion. And we know that the injury is, but one of the, the injury itself is just one of the components that will make or, you know, yeah. make the child a- active or functioning optimally. So when you take a, a lens that is more biopsychosocial, it means that you, you incorporate the bio part, the injury part, the brain yeah. being damaged or, or yeah. functionally damaged or whatever. That's the bio part. And the psychosocial means that you want to bring in the factors that the child brings to the, the situ- to the injury. So whatever they were before, did they have headaches before? Were they anxious before? What does this injury, the injury happens to somebody. It doesn't just happen on a theoretical brain. It happens to a brain that is part of somebody already. So this whole picture, and it also happens to a child that is within an environment that exists before the injury and that will exist or might be affected and will continue to exist after the injury also. So it's this combination of the injury that happens on the brain, but also the the psychosocial stuff that is present around within the child and around them. And all of this taken together will contribute to what happens after and how the concussion recovers and how the child functions after. So you can have a very mild, what seems like a very mild brain injury that can happen on a child who already brings to the picture some complexity yeah. Um, with the uh, you know the, some anxiety or some previous existing headaches um, that will fare worse than somebody who looks like they have a more severe injury but who were healthy before and did not have all this complexity of, of other conditions and similarly you can have a, a, a mild injury that happens in a quite chaotic environment where the child doesn't have support system doesn't have access to, mm-hmm. to health care as much doesn't have you know a as much support at school and they'll fare worse than a child who has a, a bit of a more severe injury, but wh- for whom all these support systems exist. So that's why we say biopsychosocial, it, it just shows it, it just brings in this, this this more complex picture than just talking about a concussion.
2: Exactly. It's just so so it's just unfortunate that has such a complex name to it because this really is the actual the actual treatment the actual way. Someone gets better from, from I mean, all these different types of different areas of bio, like bio and psycho and social, like all those areas. And I had such a, a bio social sounds like a complex name for the way to treat someone, but it's really the way that people should be treated like they're human beings and the environments and, and their own, their, their life was different before and after. And so it's affected by, like you're saying, it affects someone. Had the injury happened to someone, not, didn't just Correct. happen. And, yeah. Uh, yeah. So, I mean, I, again, I, I don't even know where they go past this, but I guess we'll go the the, uh, go to the, I, I'll think about more about what I want to ask you, while you talk about the, uh, also the children, they, so I guess this is the best part I should ask you for, how do you define children? Is there, it's like you know, zero, zero to 10 or, Oh or is it we like usually no children are their distinct
0: Oh that's a good question. So we we the pediatric population is usually 0 to 17. So it yeah. includes the adolescents yeah. as well. Yeah. And your question as to whether they the children and the adolescents are different. Yeah. Um the short answer to that will be absolutely. Oh, yeah, quite <laughs> every different. every different, but, but yeah. yeah, but I mean in in terms of age group yeah. For some functions, they are more than for others. So it's surprising for to some people. But the highest, um, the group that sustains the most concussions in, in pediatrics is the kids who are zero to one years old. So yeah. they oh, yeah. because they they, neck
2: strength and stuff and good neck strength, true. but
0: also they fall they fall a lot, That's right? And That's they fall true. off. They they fall off things. They fall yeah. off changing tables and all that. So that's definitely a group that would be different from teenagers, for example. Yeah, yeah. So once you get out of this preschool age, very many many concussions happen there. The consequences are not so well known because not many people have uh, have shown interest in uh, in looking at that population because it's very difficult to assess them, to look and at them, is, and to determine yeah. the consequences because you know they don't talk as much and they and can't they, report they, they their grow. symptoms and yeah. So that's, uh, that's that. After that, you know, but for the five to seventeen, we usually separate them in two groups: the five to twelve-year-olds, sort of around, you know, they're separated around school age and adolescence, more or less. So five to twelve and thirteen to seventeen. So usually we we uh, we usually study them in those age groups. So oh, the zero okay. to four, the five yeah. to twelve, and the thirteen oh, okay. to seventeen in, awesome. in like three different groups. Yeah.
2: And and I what I was going to ask you is that like last, which is just actually today is today is Tuesday, June 14th or We're because this is, probably not out till July, but um the one that probably is out there was that are. Physiotherapist, not physiotherapist. I think there be athletic therapists and john's not our uh, only athletic therapist, but the one we've had in the three years. And uh, she mentioned that the biopsychosocial thing about like, how why do you want to take an athlete who is injured, who all I you know is, is like athletic and sports and stuff, and then like because one of the recommendations was always used to be taken out of play and let them sit in a dark room and like na- and just don't play sports for two weeks. Whatever. And like she said, why do you want to take him out? Why do you want to? Someone's hurt, make him sad. Like, don't do it. Why are you going to do that to somebody? But of course, that's a different issue. But, but, uh, well,
0: yeah, that but, that's the, I mean, the remove from play is still what needs oh, yeah, to be know, done. So late, they, they but, yeah, they, they can't be playing while they're injured. And that's no, just like but, with any other injury. Just, you want to make sure seems- that. Just but the sitting, yeah, the sitting yeah. the sitting around for two weeks is not yeah. the way to go anymore. No. So definitely, yeah. definitely what we're, what we, what is encouraged now is uh, a short break. So a couple of days of uh, taking time to sort of, you know, reset and, and yeah. give your brain a little bit of time to sort of calm down. And,
1: figure out. and then mm-hmm. after
0: that initial two day or 48 hour period, kids are mostly encouraged to restart uh, being active. Now, the important piece about that is, yes, you can be active, you can go outside, you can take walks, you can jog a little or, you know, do some physical activity, but you cannot return to any type of contact activity. So you cannot risk getting a ball to your head or getting hit on the head. A second time while you're still recovering, because that's not 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 such a great idea. it it ha- it you know it prevents uh, good recovery and all that. So yes, be active after that initial rest period, but be active in a in a sense, in a safe right. and reasonable way. yeah,
2: which yeah. actually leads me well to your thing that you're saying that you study how ex- exercise is the burst for treatment in short yeah. so he's. I know talk about this. i um, always you know, talk about the study to study too much, but I guess you can talk about just the idea behind the study and why you think why what research is telling you that uh, why it's so good.
1: Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen.
0: Well, exercise is, is recognized as being pretty good for many, many things. So it's it's yeah. recognized as a treatment for migraines. It's recognized as a treatment option for mental health problems, and even recognized as, a, as a, an activity for cognitive decline in older adults. So we find when you look through the science, you find physical activity or exercise in many, many different conditions. So it's oh, the same. Right. So...
2: Do, yeah, is, we'll there, is there a, is there a definition of it's like physical activity exercise? Like, is there yeah. a, people say because people say I, I went to went down my went down on motorbike or whatever I went for a car ride like, that's not exercise. <laughs> like, no, nope, like,
0: not as much, not as much. Not well, you, we can take physical activity as a bit of a broader term than exercise. So physical activity can be anything where you activate your body. Yeah. So even gardening, for example, yeah. can be considered yeah. a physical activity because it makes you active and it makes you move. So right. that's physical activity. When we talk more about exercise, it's something a bit more organized and, and, and structured, not organized in the sense that you need a, yeah, a team, a, an association or a team, but yeah. organized in the sense that there's you know, you do, if you do aerobic exercise, for example, you go running, there's a start, there's an end there. There's, there's a certain way you have to achieve this, this heart rate and all that. So that's more the aerobic exercise, or you could do strengthening exercise, which is lifting weights and, and, or lifting your own body. So exercise is a bit more narrow than physical activity, but that's usually what we, um, mean when we talk about, uh, Physical activity or exercise. So it's the use of exercise, really, that we we have studied with children, not just general physical activity, but the oh, prescription yeah. of mm-hmm. exercise for a certain duration um, that we've studied now for for uh, just about fifteen years. So what we tell the the what we usually do with the kids is to, is to prescribe some phys- some exercise that will make them. Um, move and raise their heart rates, but stay within reasonable um, increase of their symptoms. So for example, if they come and they have persisting headaches, for example, after the concussion, um, that's a very common symptom as well, we would tell them to exercise for a certain duration and a certain intensity that would not make their headache too much worse. So we can accept that it will increase your headache a little bit of course, because you've been sitting and not doing very much. So it will increase the headache a bit. But if it goes beyond a certain level, then we tell them, okay, that's too much. You've got to restrain yourself a little bit. So that's how we sort of play with exercise with duration and intensity so that it helps reset their brain sort of, if you want to think about that, mm-hmm. tolerates exercise yeah. more and more, um, but in a very supervised and graded nature. So that's essentially
2: oh, okay. what. The- and the, how do they how do the kids? I mean, you say you, you you put them in zero to four and five to twelve and whatever in with thirteen to seventeen. So uh, how are is that on of the stream right now? But uh, but how how do they tolerate that? Are they, what do they not tolerate? But how do they express? How they, how the exercise made them feel, or
1: uh-huh. what
2: think about the actual activity of doing it, first?
0: yeah. So it's definitely some, not something we ask the zero to four year olds. That no. we don't use exercise no. so much yeah. with that population. Yeah. Okay. But the 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 uh, children and the older children and the teenagers, um, mm-hmm. we can ask them to uh, to report on, you know, ask them more in a more structured manner. Did, you know. Did, what do so we ask them about their symptoms before they start the exercise? So what, what are you feeling now? And then during the exercise, we ask them to reflect a little bit on how it changes their symptoms. And then when they finish their, their session of exercise, we ask them again how they feel. So we ask them, for example, if they have a headache, how bad is the headache, if they have dizziness, how bad is the dizziness, etc. So we run through a series of symptoms like oh. this and and ask them in a more of a structured manner because if you just ask them how do you feel
2: right yeah. you don't
0: you you usually don't get very very <laughs> uh, granular information yeah. Yet. yeah you miss a lot because they they you know they don't self-report things that they yeah. they wouldn't necessarily think about
2: right, so, right. Yeah. so what was there i know you can't talk about your, your own research but what has the research past research told you about how children or children adults whatever they would they respond to those questions of like how do you feel now how do you feel like headache your balance that those questions the granular granular questions how yeah. they how do you find it? research shown that they people respond to that
0: well they depending on their age you have you can ask differently so we usually have scales or tools to ask them about their symptoms that yeah. are different in the 5- to 12-year-olds than yeah. the 13- to 17-year-olds. And the main changes are about language. So uh, it hit, is your head hurting instead of do you have a headache, for example? No. The yeah. language would change. And the level of details of, of the intensity changes too. So we found that children who are, uh, well, the adolescents who are older than, than you know 13, they can manage to tell you, for example, the difference between a one and a two and a three, yeah. when you ask them to rate their headache. But the little kids can't do that so well. So they're usually rated with tools that that are more... Um, like with z- that smiley
2: face, uh, with that face thing? Yeah, okay.
0: correct. It could mm-hmm. be with a smiley face or it could be just not at all, a little bit and a lot instead of just zero to 10, you don't give me a number zero to 10. So that's how we, uh, that's how we find, uh, that's how we're able to tap into how they, how they feel about their different symptoms.
2: Has there, has there been any past research on this, on your, on your theme of exercise that have shown you anything that, any past research on the zero to 10 or or feeling, feeling pain? Like, if you've gotten that from any other research that's been done already? Um, on yeah.
0: the different age groups, is that what you're asking? Oh,
2: well, sorry. No, that's not like, No, I mean, no. like, I mean, the how how children respond to those questions. Yeah. How you feel now in, in the past research or whatever, so.
0: Yeah, well, usually when we administer exercise, whether it's our research program or others who have done yeah. the same sort of thing, um, exercise is, is helpful in decreasing um their their sim- their physical symptoms like the headache and the dizziness and all that over time so it's now considered a pretty good avenue for treatment
2: okay so um, across, across all ages
0: yeah well across the uh, yeah. over the age of six seven yeah, yeah, you know yeah. where because the, the kids below that age don't exercise so much in, the, in yeah. a structured way. You know, they run around at the park and yeah. all that. But there's no, there's no real structure to it. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, uh, it's harder to study. And uh, they're usually active enough and self-regulate enough that like they self-decide how, how yeah. active they want to be. And they're usually not in contact activities anyway. So they don't play football or they don't play the younger kids. So it's not as dangerous for them to re-engage in their usual activities. So as soon as they feel good enough, they will start wanting to walk faster or run faster or play more with their parents and or their siblings and all that. And that's been enough to date. So we haven't really studied structured prescribed exercise in in the below five age group. But the, the kids older than five We have some now good, nice research results that that say that exercise is a a pretty good avenue. We still need a bit of details on how much, how intense, what type of exercise, et cetera. We need to find out more about that. But the concept of exercising is now pretty recognized as a nice intervention.
2: That's excellent. Because, I mean, I know I'm a lot older than, say, 17, even (laughs) So I'm not all over that. But uh, so but I I noticed that since my brain injury that I was, I was very, very active before my in brain injury, of course, but uh, but after it, I've just uh, just the exercise has been just such a made me feel so much better by just swimming. Yeah, I swim a lot. And I can't really can't really walk as much anymore as the injury, but uh when I do for walks and and swimming, like I said, it's swimming is aerobic. More like mm-hmm. in, in walking in and walking, I get to right up this high, but yeah. uh, but I do an assuming. and uh, yeah, it feels just feels so much better about just everything, not just like my walking maybe not doesn't improve necessarily, but uh, just my attitude towards everything it just feels so much better, and I think that's that's actually the uh, what you found, what you found, what others found, and so I'll ask you just one more question about language, so. When you as you you do with kids up to say 17, 18, like a 17 really. Um, but do you do, so do you communicate with the uh, researchers who are doing more above 18 or 18, like young the, the uh university age kids or you know above that, like that do you would communicate your results to that? Like how does there is there any transfer of a st someone concussion when they're 15 and now they're 20? and the another question is that again, is that like a did you, did you talk to your other researchers about that yeah
0: that's a really good uh, question so we do talk we have different venues where we share our results and and discuss avenues um uh, but you are you're you're pointing to something very interesting where we don't we're not so good in general in the healthcare system in transitioning the kids to the to the adult world and the yeah. adult healthcare and the uh, the care they can get there and um, I, we have also found that uh, when the the kids become adults and they may sustain a, another concussion the history of how they were when they were kids yeah. is not is not taken into consideration as much you know you know how novel. the adults So the clinicians who work with adults tend to stay in in those years and the clinicians and the kids. So it's something we're trying really uh, hard to to make sure that the history of somebody brings they they can bring their story with them to be able to influence how they'll be cared for and all that. But it's something we definitely need to work on. But as a researcher, we definitely share the results and we inspire each other. The adult world and the and the pediatric world, we inspire each other to uh we build on each other's work to to move the field forward. But clinically it's it's more difficult.
2: Yeah. I guess well, you get to read, read publishing of research papers is a, a big yeah. help and all that. But uh, also but I think yeah, you're right. The clinical thing is like because we get a little eye a lot on kids, and people say like a 20-year-old will say, Oh, I had a was Have you some doctors say, have you ever heard this? This is what happened before, like you know, when I was 15, I had concussion, and how I was, you know, I'm good now, and that's what that seems to be. Really that seems, that seems really... to be
0: the end of it, yeah, right? They don't, they don't ask. But that concussion at 15 may have taken, you know, a few months to heal, and yeah. it may have led to different things. And I think it's really important to when when we take a history to dig a little bit and find out. You know, that I'm all better now is po- possibly not the, the,
2: the, the end story. of that story exactly. <laughs> well this has just been a, a great conversation for me at least. And uh I hope I hope to have you back on because I mean your research sure. and, and your communication is just the way you communicate these issues and the because as I, I mentioned before the podcast that no solficos have a great way of communicating. So which is
0: thank
2: you. too odd to me because <laughs> I haven't talked to speaking a lot of times. So, um, but um, yeah, so thank you so much for coming on the podcast. And uh, I heard you on Dr. Roy saying, Dr. Roy's podcast sends you on know, a lot of social media or well, your websites, and it's not necessarily up to date on that. So, there's best places just to go to, to McGill and yeah. McGill Medicine and or physiotherapy. But physical therapy
0: yeah and yeah McGill. Children in
2: Montreal Children's Hospital, just
0: correct they'll find just... me there yeah. so yeah just
2: google those and uh and uh yeah and so well, thank you so much for, for this podcast. the pleasure
0: thank you yeah. very much for having me
2: thank you thank you and uh everyone thank you so much for listening and uh this is July now so uh have a good summer and uh i hope I have hoped that'll be more podcasts for me, but I don't know what they're gonna be yet. But I may just I may take a few weeks off, but, but again we'll see. So uh, thank you so much for listening and uh please follow me on social media and uh, and subscribe on whatever you get your podcast and like good pods and you can comment and review and all that. So uh, thank you so much. And thank you as well. Thank you everyone for listening, and please subscribe, review this podcast, all my podcasts, wherever you get your podcasts, and follow me on social media, so at Concussion Talk on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, anything else you can think of really, at Concussion Talk. Thank you again for listening. As always, music at the beginning of this podcast is by Ben Sound